As John mentioned earlier, we're doing a series on uh, Mark, so I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, where I'm going to read from verse 1. The title of our preach this evening is Jesus Heals Today. Jesus Heals Today. Verse 1. He went away from there and came, this is Jesus, is talking about to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. That's the main reason I'm having a sabbatical, by the way, because <laughs> I need to get away somewhere where they like me. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> Look at this, next verse. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villagers teaching... And he gave, he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. Verse 12. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. The next verse says, they cast out many demons, anointed with oil, many who were sick and healed them. Like to go on to verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to Gennesaret and moored to the shore. When they got out of the boats, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it, were made well. This is a very typical passage of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can read all of these Gospels at different times, and fundamentally, you'll get the same picture of Jesus, which is one of the reasons we're looking at Mark's Gospel, so we can only, we can see him, be like him, and do what he asks us to do. And constantly throughout the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus, everywhere he goes, he heals sick people, and he sets people who are in captivity free. It's kind of like in the Gospels, Jesus is either just coming from having healed someone, going to heal someone else. If you're very fortunate, he even heals you in between on one or two occasions. And what's happening here is what Jesus describes as the kingdom of God. So Jesus went everywhere proclaiming the kingdom and that means the rule and reign of Jesus over all things. He's preaching good news to the poor, the gospel. And at the same time, to confirm the authenticity of the message of the kingdom, he heals sick people. And he sets people who are under terrible bondage and captivity, he sets them free. Sometimes he heals all people. Sometimes there have been many sick people around and he only heals one. And sometimes, like in this passage, he heals a few people. For we read earlier that 
They didn't know who he was. And verse 5 said, And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, which is actually where a lot of us would be very happy if just a few people got sick people got healed. But he couldn't do it because of their unbelief. The final passage in the same chapter that I read to you was, such was the faith of all the people, not like these people, that if they, if they, they felt that even if they could just touch the hem of his garment, they believed they would be healed. So in the same chapter, you go from what you can only describe as total unbelief. Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. So he couldn't work miracles amongst them. Right through to the end of the chapter where people have got such faith in him, they think that even if they touch him, they're going to be healed. This was an expression of Isaiah 61, which is the passage that Jesus was given to read at the beginning of his ministry in Luke chapter 4, which says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to preach good news to the poor. Even those who are blind will receive their sight. So everywhere he went, he proclaimed this kingdom, and everywhere he went, it happened. It's not a lot different today, really, in this one chapter, and maybe even in your Christian life. There are moments when you really can believe God to do something miraculously, and then really you doubt an awful lot, and most of us is kind of somewhere in the middle. Why did Jesus heal people? Three reasons. Number one, because he's God. I don't know if you know this, but fundamentally, God is a God who heals. It's in his very nature. It's who he is, right from the beginning of the Old Testament, right through to the end. Every time you read about God, he's a God who heals. People have a problem with suffering. Why does God allow suffering? The truth is, two things. One is, he also heals people all the time in the midst of their suffering. And secondly, he is the only God of the many other gods that people think of, who can understand suffering in that he suffered more than any other human being will ever suffer. And this is the God who is the God who Jesus displays because Jesus is God. And so he, he heals people because he is God. It's his very nature. God is on the side of healing. He has a name, and one of these names is Yahweh Rapha, which means the God who heals. Not only that, he's the God who's promised to heal. And he's a faithful God, so he never breaks his promises. He will heal people because he's promised to do so. Secondly, he, Jesus is full of compassion. And his compassion is so, so real in him that when he looks at the needs of people around him, it's kind of like his mercy and his kindness overflows and just touches people if you see someone in the street and they're obviously troubled and in great difficulty and you feel sorry for them you'll probably go over to them and say are you all right can I help you that's something of compassion that you felt and seen being outworked Jesus was like this he didn't have to heal anybody it's just like he couldn't resist it because so much compassion is in him for people that it just ends up with him wanting to not resist, but to want to heal people. That's why people are trying to touch him. The third reason is because healing and deliverance are signs. 
And they're signs to point you to the real identity of who Jesus is. Every time a healing took place or someone got set free, it was never an end in itself. Good though it was for the person, the whole point of it was to point them to who Jesus is. Every miracle is declaring he is the Messiah. Every miracle is declaring he is the Son of God. Which is why the first part of Mark 6 is outrageous. They just said, well, he's just like us. He grew up with us. Look, there's his brothers and his sisters. So the fact that he was doing all of these miracles didn't move any of them to make a conclusion that he was the son of God. In fact, the signs that he performed were just leaving them with a sense that he's just the carpenter. That's all he is. Healings are wonderful. We're going to talk about that. and Some of you are going to get healed tonight. But the, the issue for us is this that salvation is more important than healing. If you get healed and it doesn't point you to the one who heals you, you've missed the point. And we, we, need, we need masses of, of demonstrations of the healing power of God to authenticate who Jesus is. But you've always got to understand that they always point to him. But even when it's staring at him in the face, they still didn't see it. So this is how it works. You've got friends, I've got friends who say, I'll believe in God when I see a miracle. You won't. You won't. You know, if, 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 if that's your attitude, I'll believe in God when I see a miracle, if he can perform a miracle, when the miracle happens, you'll have another explanation for it. It happens all the time. And it's tragic, but you see, miracles don't convince you that there's a God, but they might just point you to the fact, who is the one who worked the miracle? So it could be part of the process, but it won't be the final one. People are always saying we'll believe in God when we see miracles, but they don't. The issue is who is working the miracles? Is he the carpenter or is he the son of God? And that's where we live today. And there's some of us in this room still there. We're not quite sure. And the opportunity for you and me is to make a decision as we see these accounts in the Gospels, as we read about the life of Jesus, as we experience him for ourselves, we come to that conclusion, he is the Son of God. Now, there's an important development in this passage. I want to take you back to Mark chapter 6, verse 7. Jesus is going around working all these miracles. Absolutely fantastic, wonderful, it's great. And then something shifts. Verse 7. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. Verse 12. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And verse 13 talks about them casting out demons and healing sick people everywhere they went. And the shift is this. Not only does Jesus heal people, but those who follow him are given authority in his name to heal people as well as he does. You have to understand that Jesus knows that if he's got followers, there's an invitation to the follower to do the things that he did. Not only to live like he lives, but to do the things that he did as well. If I pray for someone tonight to be healed and they get healed, I didn't heal you. I can't heal anybody. None of you can heal anybody. The only person that heals anybody is Jesus. But Jesus gives authority for us to pray in his name 
and his authority so that when we pray for people, they get healed. And when they get healed, the glory doesn't come to us. The glory all goes to Jesus because we can't do that. This is so important that we understand that when Jesus says, I want my followers to do the same things that I did, it's not going to end up with you and I saying, look at me. Look at what I can do. When I lay hands on the sick, they recover. Sometimes we have Christian celebrities and everyone rushes to them because they think they're going to be healed when they get to the meeting. Maybe they will, but if they, will, they are healed, it's because of Jesus, not because of the celebrity. We live in a day of celebrity status where people love that sort of thing. Sometimes you'll hear the phrase, faith healer. It's just all about drawing the attention. I have this healing ministry, drawing the attention to you. You don't have a healing ministry. The only one that heals anybody is Jesus. And he uses very, very ordinary people like you and me to lay hands on people to see them recover. The message tonight is this. Jesus heals people everywhere he goes and he expects his followers to do the same. So the question is, are you a follower of Jesus? And if the answer is yes, then by putting your faith in his name and with his authority, you being a very, very ordinary person can pray for people and see them get healed. And the only qualification you need is to be a follower of Jesus. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to be into theological college. In fact, if you go to theological college, it'll probably mess up your theology on healing. You need to be somebody who's, who's been a Christian for many years. No, you don't. You need to know all the Bible verses. No, you don't. Why am I emphasizing this? You don't have to become something special for Jesus to use you. These people were not special. These disciples mucked it up. Sometimes they tried to cast out demons and the people said, we asked your disciples to do it and they couldn't cast it out. Jesus, oh no, back to square one. That's kind of more like you and me. Jesus never had a failure. The disciples kind of got some things right. They got some things wrong. They had successes. They had failures. Because it was Jesus who healed people. It was his authority that caused these things to come to pass. They were ordinary followers of Jesus. That's what you and I are. And we get the privilege of partnering with Jesus and seeing him come and heal people. Jesus dies on the cross. He rose again from the dead. He then ascends to the right hand of the Father on high. That's where he is now in all authority over every name that can be named. And then he pours out his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, upon his church, and begins a new era of the Spirit that's still going on today. There's one occasion when Jesus was with his disciples, and he said, I'm going to leave you. It's far better I go to be with the Father. Much better for you. And they could not understand what he was talking about. But Jesus, of course, was talking about his death, and his resurrection, and his ascension, and then the outpouring of the Spirit. And this is the way it works. Listen. On the day of Pentecost, the same Spirit that was upon Jesus... Because he's died and rose again and is and, and now on all authority. He has the authority to pour out his spirit. So the spirit that was upon Jesus now is poured out upon all flesh, all people, all ordinary people. And on the day of Pentecost, it suddenly dawned on some of them, it was far better that Jesus went. Because now the spirit that was upon him is now upon us. And what he did we can now do. They could say for the first time, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. Listen, on the same day of Pentecost, are you all still with me? This is, I'm enjoying it. I don't know if you are. On the, I'm just taking you on a journey. On the same day of the day of Pentecost, he says this, and this is the promise to you, to your children's children, 
and all that are far off. In other words, this isn't a promise for the first century. This is a promise for you and your children's children, generations to come. 2,000 years later, the promise is still the same. And to all who are far off. So it comes quite a long way away from Jerusalem. Have you noticed? We're kind of like the ones who qualify. We're generations later, and we're far off from Jerusalem when it was promised. So this is for us. And so because of this, listen, the early church, the first church on the day of Pentecost, bursts onto the scene doing the works of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you read the book of Acts and it's just a story, one after the other, of miracles and signs and wonders and physical healings and people being set free. In fact, when you read the Acts of the Apostles, it looks an awful lot like Mark chapter 6. There's almost no difference. The same Jesus who's in this body, who's healing people and setting people free, it seems the same Jesus is now living in ordinary people. And when they pray for people in the name of Jesus, things start to happen. By the way, if you're a follower of Jesus, listen up tonight because you get to do all this stuff. Okay? It's not preaching a word thinking, I hope someone's listening. You're, you're, you're the person that we're talking about if you're a follower of Jesus. You qualify. So let's just go to Acts chapter 5, if you will, and I just want to see an example of <clears throat> these ordinary people who are starting to do extraordinary things in Jesus' name. So we get to Mark. This is just an example of many, many examples in the Acts of the Apostles. Acts 5, tw- verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more and than ever, believers were added to, added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. <clears throat> that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now this is just one example. And what I want to press home from this passage is this. These people also were not perfect. These people on the day of Pentecost, the church that's birthed, they began to experience all of these things. And it says, you know, the apostles were doing well. As the story reveals, people who were not apostles started to do it. And people who were unheard of started to do it. Until the whole body is involved in praying and laying hands on people and seeing them set free. These people were not perfect. These people made mistakes. These people were ordinary. These people lived probably more unmundane lives than most people in this room today. There's nothing wow about them at all. But these people had such an encounter with the Holy Spirit that though they were ordinary, they got to see extraordinary things. And the challenge for us is the only reason they saw them was they were ordinary followers of Jesus. So what's your problem? And what's my problem? The challenge is massive when I read these scriptures concerning my own personal experience, etc., Put your hand in the air if you believe that Jesus is alive. If you honestly believe that he is alive. I'm so glad that lots of people are responding to that. But by putting your hand up, you've just given yourself an almighty problem. Because by saying I'm a follower of Jesus and I believe he's alive, then the challenge is then do the same things that he did. (laughs) It's a simple step. 
but it's vital. I, 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 I don't know about you, but I absolutely love um, this book of Acts. And the reason I love it is because it's constantly reminding me of the type of church that Jesus is building. And the miraculous and signs and wonders and healing, which is what we're talking about tonight, are kind of there on every page. And I'm challenged by it because I've, I, I ask myself, why is this book written? Why has this been written down for all of us over 2,000 years later to still be reading? If this is written down about a miraculous community that only gets to do this stuff and we don't, then why am I reading all about them? What's the point? It's like it's mocking me all the time. It's describing a Christianity that I could never experience in 21st century London. It's just mocking me. It's like a carrot dangled before me and every time I want to reach out and grab hold of it, it kind of disappears. Because it's not true for today. Maybe this all died out in the first century. But then why are we reading it? (laughs) Why are we, honestly, why is it there mocking me all the time about this kind of Christianity that I can't experience? You've just read about it in verses 12 to 16. There's only one alternative and that is this. This isn't mocking me. This is a model of what Christianity is meant to be. This is normal Christianity. And because it's normal Christianity, I can expect to experience this for myself. I I read the book of Acts three times a year, once a term. And the reason I do this purely is to make myself absorbed in the atmosphere of the early church, believing this is exactly the kind of church that Jesus wants us to be today. Let me just bring out some highlights of Acts 5 quickly that I read, that we've just read together. The first one is this. It's a certain words. Come with me to verse 12. Is it up behind me? Can you see the, the chapter? No, maybe not. Never mind. Chapter 12. Chapter 5, verse 12 says this. Oh, good. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people. Please say many. 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 Signs and wonders were regularly. Please say Regularly. So many signs and wonders were regularly done amongst the people. And verse 16 says, The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Say all. All. So they had gatherings. Their concept was these signs and wonders and miracles and healing, etc. were done. There were many of them, and they were done not just on Sundays, but they were done regularly every day. And there were even meetings when... All people were there were experienced. Now, is this got healed? Was this all my experience? Because it doesn't describe mine. Mine will be described probably like little, seldom, and few. That would be my experience. But this is normal Christianity, where healing the sick should be done, many of them being done regularly, and even getting to a place where everybody which is incredible. Everybody gets healed because the power of God is so present that's exactly what begins to happen. The second highlight to draw out from Acts 5 is this phrase. And um, so they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats 
that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Now, when I read that out earlier, and you've just read it again, how many of you thought, that's really weird? I can't be the only person in the room that thought that. I've read it loads of times before. How bizarre that sick people will be carried out on the streets, that we, as Peter goes by, we might even get pe- people into Peter's shadow and they would be healed. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's like taking John here. And it's like saying, you know, John's got the anointing, let's get in his shadow. But he's so thin, he doesn't have a shadow. It's kind of like, quickly, quickly, there goes John, oh, he's gone. Not only that, but if people got healed through shadows, you only get shadows when the sun shines. So that means that's the reason why not many people get healed in our country. It's raining all the time. This is not about a shadow ministry that heals sick people. So what is it about? It's weird, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, it is. Here's my only explanation I could come up with. It's really all about the presence of God. It's kind of like there's such a tangible sense of the presence of God. If I can just get near to God's presence, maybe then I'll be healed. It's about, you know, there's this little word that's used in in Acts a lot. It's the word awe. That's not O-A-R. It's A-O-A-W. It's, wish I'd done that. It's A-W-E, or as in fear. It's kind of like there was such... It says it again and again, and I think this is really important. There was such awe amongst them. Maybe if I can even get to Peter's shadow, it's kind of like, not Peter's shadow, it's the presence of God. And you see, in the book of Acts, these people, these followers of Jesus were praying for people and seeing them healed because of the presence of God that was with them. They healed people, not with techniques. They healed people because of the immediacy of God's presence. Remember in Acts chapter 3, they're walking along, they see this, this paralyzed man at the beautiful gate, and he asks them for money, and they say, we don't have any money, but what we have, in the name of Jesus now, rise up and walk. It's strange, you think, why didn't they do that yesterday? Or last month? And the answer can only be this. They were so sensed they were in the presence of God that they just knew this is the moment. It wasn't a technique. It was just knowing because God's presence was so real they heard from God. Jesus ministered to people hearing his father say this is the way, that is the way, do this. Now I think this is important because if we want to see more people who are sick being healed... It has to do with us praying for the presence of God to come. Not having formulas of how we're going to heal sick people. Sometimes you come across people that have kind of formulaic ways of praying for people who are to be healed. I mean, if you're going to try and follow the way that Jesus healed people, you've got a real problem because he never seems to do the same thing again. Sometimes he rebukes sickness at a distance. Sometimes he kind of touches them or they touch him. Sometimes he says, go on your way. And, and they get healed as they're walking away from him. Sometimes he spits into the ground, makes a mud, mud pie and sticks it in a person's eyes. Why? Why? That's really weird. Why did he do that? Because somehow that was the moment to produce faith to make that happen. If you're following Jesus, you haven't got a formula as to how to heal the sick. But what you do have is hearing from God for the here and now. 
Back in the 1980s, I was um, really influenced by uh, some ministries that, on physical healing, seeing great things happen. And they said, when you see people who are sick and you go to pray for them, always keep your eyes open. Watch them as you pray for them to see what God is doing. What, what is God beginning to do in their lives? Keep your eyes open so you can be sensitive to the Spirit. Great. Then I was influenced at the same time by another ministry that said, when you pray for the sick, never keep your eyes open. Always keep them closed. Because if you keep them closed, then you keep your eyes on God alone because he is the one. I mean, kind of like, what do we do? What do we do? Next year, I'm, I'm, I'm actually launching a new ministry, which is one eye open and one eye shut. It's just <laughs> going to be really great. It's going to go all around the globe. It's just not formulas. It's not ways to heal the sick. It's the now presence of God. And then, third highlight from this passage is this. It's all done in the open. This wasn't done behind closed doors. They were bringing people out onto the streets. And I think this is a key for us as to why we don't see so many people being healed as we should. Or at least it could be one key. And that is that we're doing it inside these walls. The moment we start to pray for our friends and our family, people on campus who say to us, oh, I'm really ill. And they know you're a Christian. They say, do you mind if I pray for you? And then I believe we're going to see amazing things happen. So there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus are really open to be prayed for because they're desperate and nothing else has worked. This could be one of those sign moments. They get healed. Whoa. Well, let's now point you to Jesus, the one who's healed you. And I think it's significant. This was in the open. We're going to see more and more. Someone said this. I thought it was really helpful. The meeting place is the learning place for the marketplace. We get to learn how to pray here, but not to stick it here, but to take this out into the world in which we live. So I want to finish with a question. With all that background, Mark chapter 6, and Jesus healing people everywhere he went, transferred over into him saying, okay, you're now my followers, go out in my name. And pray for people in my name. You'll see the same thing happen. To the early church after the day of Pentecost. Bursting out to the scene. As we've read in Acts chapter 5. Seeing miracles happening everywhere. Why don't we see more? Why do we don't see these things happen? I want to make a few suggestions to you. Then we're going to pray. Just maybe, maybe it's our lack of faith. I, I don't actually feel comfortable with beating up Christians for their lack of faith. I don't think we kind of do ourselves any favour by thinking, oh, the problem is me. But I do think, and you have to register this, we live in a world of cynicism and scepticism. A world that likes to analyse everything. A world that's analytical. And it starts to rob us of our genuine faith. And we have to acknowledge this because if you and I were to jump on a plane and go to other parts of the world, the level of faith in some of those nations is so high, they're seeing miracles happen all the time. Just a few weeks ago, I was with two couples from China that are right now in the middle of one of the biggest revivals that's ever happened on this planet. And thousands are coming to Christ. In their network of churches, they have 10 million people in their network. And they're one of the smaller networks in China. Think about that. They're a bit worried at the moment because the 10,000 people a day who are coming to Jesus in China is just beginning to, to kind of slip off a little bit. And I wanted to say, you poor things, how on earth are you coping? 
It's just another world. They see massive opposition, often facing jail, but at the same time seeing miracles happen, the faith levels. So all I can surmise, we don't beat ourselves up about this, but we have to acknowledge maybe, just maybe, faith in Jesus to heal people needs to rise amongst us. Here's another suggestion I would say that we make praying for people to be healed just far too complicated. It's time to become childlike again. It's time to keep the whole thing really, really simple. We ask and we ask again. We should pray often for people to be healed. And this is what I found really liberating when I found I get too complicated about praying for people to be healed. It's this. We get to pray, God gets to heal. It's as simple as that. I can't heal anybody, but I can pray and I can ask. And it kind of takes the pressure off you. As I pray, I pray and pray again. And if nothing's happening, I'll pray again. If nothing's happening, I'll pray again. Because God is the one who heals. He just needs us to be children who ask and ask and ask. I hung out with four of my grandkids yesterday. They just ask endlessly. Even when I say no, it just doesn't seem to register. They come back and ask again when I'm in a better mood or something. Because it just goes like that. We need to become childlike. We ask Jesus. Our natural inclination is to ask. Here's another thing. I don't think many of us like mystery. We just like to work everything out and know everything, especially before we do anything. If I can know it all, then I'll do it. You have to understand this whole healing game has a lot of mystery about it. If I'm honest, it's probably throughout my life as a Christian been one of the biggest mysteries. I don't understand why some people get healed and some people don't. And it's not that God loves one more than the other or they've got more faith than them. It's just the sovereignty of God. But... As the years have gone by, I've begun to appreciate mystery more and more. I like it now. I like the fact that I'm not God and I don't know all the answers. That I will have to live with the mystery of healing. But here's the deal. Don't stop praying for people to be healed. If there's a mystery and you don't understand, so you're not God. One day you will understand And the mysteries that are around are not mysteries to God at all. He's sovereign and in control. He knows all things. So we need to keep on praying. Here's another thing, disappointment. It's real, isn't it? You pray for a friend to get healed and they don't get healed and you get really disappointed. And the next time someone asks you to pray for them, whoa, you're still disappointed, so it's difficult. There was a guy in this church called Dan Hopley. He died when he was 37. He had a wife and two children. One was only three months old. He had serious lung cancer that spread throughout his whole body. And for two years, a whole crowd of people in this church prayed for him. And there were moments when I really, really believed that he was going to be healed. And there were many moments when he believed he was going to be healed. And then they came when he died of cancer. And the disappointment that you feel when that happens is very powerful and real. And you know, the next person, next friend I knew who had cancer and said, could you pray please? It was like, like a thing that hit me because of the disappointment what happened before. You have to understand this. This is a weird thing to say when you're talking on a subject about healing. That death is not a failure. 
If you're a Christian, death, in fact, if you're a Christian, the Bible says one comment about death, to die is gain. Think about physically being healed is it's, it's only temporary. You're going to die anyway one day. So sometimes when we pray for people and they die and you think, why did that happen? And it's a total mystery and you get disappointed. You have to understand this is not a defeat. It's not like God didn't know this person was going to die. It's not that we failed, we didn't pray enough or fast enough. It's just that there's a disappointment that comes into our hearts. And God knows that, he understands that. And we need to overcome that disappointment and come back with renewed faith to pray again. Final thing I would suggest is a lack of desperation. I know that I can be very guilty of this, just give up too easily. So will you pray pray for me? Yes, we'll pray for you. And nothing happens, okay. (laughs) There are certain parts of the world that if you're not, they'll pray again and again and again and they won't give up. They're desperate. They're desperate to see healing. And maybe we lack a sense of desperation. So I want to end this evening by saying this. Jesus heals people today. He has the power to work miraculous healing in people's lives. Undisputed. Medically confirmed. Some of you go to New Day will know a guy called Adrian Holloway. And Adrian has seen lots of people prayed for and healed. And the thing I love about Adrian is he, he then gets all the medical certificates and the doctors, which I think is a great thing to do, confirming total healing and then visios people giving testimonies to the fact. He's got hundreds of, you go on his website, it's just one story after another of the most amazing, miraculous, and this is all happening in the UK in the 21st century. It's great, go and have a look. I call them the Adrian Files. There's just loads of them. And, uh, and good, it's good to do that because it's really important that we believe God who can work miracles. A couple of stories and then I'm going to close. This is a British pastor who took a team to Kenya a few years ago. And they went out and they were doing evangelism out in the, out in the villages and they were showing a thing called the Jesus Film. The Jesus Film is a film that's made many years ago. Do you know it's the most watched film in the entire world? Isn't that amazing? And you take the film out, you go out in the village, you set it up, and everybody watches it. While they're watching the Jesus film in this village in the middle of nowhere, the team that have gone with him says, it's no point just watching a film about Jesus. We need to really introduce people to Jesus. We need to do the things that Jesus did on the film. So as the film's coming to the end, they, they say, okay, and if any of you are sick and you would like to be healed, then we would like to pray for you. And so this is where he takes up the story. He told the people who wanted to be healed to come with us into the hut and while the others stayed outside watching the end of the film 50 people squashed into the mud hut which was lit by a flickering oil lamp and they milled around and would not get into an orderly line you can tell he's British can't you (laughs) he's obviously never been to Africa in his life I felt excited and a little apprehensive One particular woman kept on jostling the other people and bumping into them and I sensed myself becoming irritated with her and hoped that I would not get to pray for her. A young man with a paralysed arm was the first person to be prayed for and he was instantly healed. And with that, everyone in the room went quiet and still and the disorderly woman was pushed forward for prayer and I suddenly realised why she had been bumping into people. She was completely blind. I found out later that she had walked over 10 miles to the meeting 
And now she just stood there, now she stood there grinning at me, knowing that she was going to be healed. The team also were grinning at me, but more nervous, more about being nervous than confident. I laid my hands on her eyes and prayed every type of healing prayer I knew. When I took my hands away, I asked her whether she could see. She blinked, she gasped, she cried, I can see. The interpreter asked her what could she see. She peered at me in the dim light, then screamed in Kikuyu, I can see a white man. (laughs) There was almost a spiritual riot in the hut. Of the 50 sick, sick people, all bar one deaf boy were completely healed in the next 30 minutes. This is a story from just two years ago. The guy who was ministering to someone in a church in the United States. He said, after I preached, there was a time of prayer. And the spirit of God demonstrated his power among the people. And the pastor of the church asked me if I would pray for a precious lady who was dealing with stage four lung cancer. She had been given just six months to live. As she came up, she was clearly weak from the medical treatments she had received and was even wearing a mask. As I prayed for her, I felt this tremendous heat and I could sense the Holy Spirit working. Now with certain cancers, there is usually not an immediate way to tell if anything has happened. But I remember having a strong sense that something had taken place. Months later, I received a call from the pastor about this lady. When she came to the service, she knew that nothing more could be done medically. The cancer had spread from her lungs to her neck to her spine and was near the stem of her brain at that time. They were all preparing for the worst. But Jesus met her that night. A few short months later, to everyone's amazement, her medical reports showed no sign of cancer. These are miracles that are happening all over the world. And they're happening because Jesus heals people today. He is alive. He is real. And I beg of you to grow up in a Christianity that believes these things still happen today. He said, well, it don't happen much here. That's why we're preaching on it. I believe we're living in a day where God wants to raise our level of expectation for him to move. Can we stand, please? Let's just close our eyes. I'd like to ask you some questions as we pray. Do you have faith that God heals today? And more important, that he can use you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And I think for some of us today, we need to start this journey and saying, Lord, I do believe that you heal the sick today. And I do believe in my ordinariness, you can use me because I'm your follower. And today I'm going to start this journey and praying for people and not give up. I've been really challenged this week preparing this word 
that I need to start all over again, start afresh. And I felt when I was praying this week, God just encouraged me with some things. And one of them was, you know, I will pray and keep on praying. Even if no one gets healed, I won't stop. Because I know that there's a God who heals people. If you are tonight someone who believes that Jesus can heal people today and that he can use you, I'd just like you to just do this. Just reach out your hands just to the Lord right now. I'd like to pray for you. Because the, the burden of this message is not that we just believe Jesus can heal people, but the burden is that he can use you, not to heal people, but to pray for people in the name of Jesus. And I believe even tonight, as we pray together, from tonight on, Many of us are going are gonna to start doing this. It's going to be like breathing, praying for people. And when nothing happens, you pray again. And if you get disappointed and someone else asks you to pray, pray for them too. It's, it, the philosophy is almost this. If it moves, pray for it. It's kind of got to get into our being. I, I, I know I forget this. I have little seasons when I start praying and then I forget. It goes on the back burner. Please, can we be people? There's a lot of sick people around. There's a lot of damaged people. People that need emotional healing, mental healing. People need physical healing. There's so much sickness. You walk around the streets, you see people suffering. Part of the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel is good news. And the demonstration of the gospel is that the sick get healed. Those who are in bondage get set free. And God wants to use even people like you and me. Lord, I pray for every hand that's reached out for you now in the name of Jesus. I pray for courage. pray for obedience. I pray for all of us to start to get out on a limb and not stay in our comfort zones. Even these next few weeks, just give us some uncomfortable moments when some friend says, Oh, I've got this really bad back and there's nothing the doctors can do. So actually, I know someone that might be able to help you. Can I pray for you? It's just natural. It just happens. I don't know if any of you saw Prince Charles's 70th birthday thing. Probably in this congregation, not many of you did. But this is a weird moment where there's three young guys and they kept it on the camera. I was really surprised. And one of them says, can I pray for you? And he looks really embarrassed as this guy prays, God, please help Prince Charles. It's just like a moment like that. It's so natural, so easy. Lord, I pray for many of us that we begin to step out and see you do great things. In Jesus' name, amen.